This morning, God's Word comes to us from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 18. Matthew 18. We're going to begin our reading at verse 21 and then read through the end of this chapter. Matthew 18, beginning at verse 21. What we hear now is God's word. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees imploring him, have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii and seized him. He began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So this fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in his anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Here we are in the reading of God's holy word. I invite you to turn to the back of the Trinity Psalter hymnal to page 895 in the back section. This is the Heidelberg Catechism, one of the doctrinal standards of our church. And this morning, we're going to read the one question and answer from Lord's Day 51 at the bottom of the page. Lord's Day 51, question 126 on page 895. Question 126 uh, what does the fifth petition mean? And the answer, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors means, because of Christ's blood, do not impute to us, poor sinners that we are, any of the transgressions we do or the evil that constantly clings to us. Forgive us just as we are fully determined as evidence of your grace in us, wholeheartedly to forgive our neighbors.
Well, we are continuing our study today of the Lord's Prayer, as it is explained for us in the Heidelberg Catechism this morning, up to that fifth petition, uh, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Uh, the Lord's Prayer is such a um, common prayer to us. Uh, at times, I don't know about you, but at times I will incorporate uh, some of the language of the Lord's Prayer into my own prayers. Uh, I will pray in my own prayers that God would uh, give me this day my daily bread. Uh, I will pray other things from the Lord's Prayer, applying it to myself. And certainly I think many of us uh, take this petition from the Lord's Prayer and apply it to ourselves. Forgive us our sins. Uh, so many of us in our prayers even conclude our prayers that way, and God, forgive us for our sins. We take this petition from the Lord's Prayer and put it into our own prayers. But we have to remember, there are two parts to this petition. The first part certainly has to do with our sins. Forgive us our sins. And we like to pray that part. But we must not forget the second part of the petition. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. As we forgive those who sin against us. It is a petition not only about forgiveness, but also about forgiving. And both are required. Both are necessary. The second is evidence of the first. Jesus teaches in this parable the importance of both forgiveness and forgiving. In Matthew 18, he is in giving instruction on how to reconcile when there is a break in a relationship, how to be reconciled once again. And it's in that context that Peter comes with this question. Uh, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I will forgive him? As many as seven times? Now, Peter here is actually being quite generous. You see, the rabbis of the day said, if someone sins against you, you should forgive them three times. That's how many times you have to forgive. So Peter comes very generously, Lord, shall we forgive them seven times, more than double that? And what does Jesus answer? Not seven times, but depending on the translation, 77 or seven times seven. All the time, Jesus says, every time they come to you, so yes, we are to pray for forgiveness, but we are also to be forgiving for all the sins committed against us. And in that context, Jesus tells this parable, this story about forgiveness and forgiving. He says in verse 23, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wishes to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. The king is going to settle accounts with his servants, and this one is brought in who has an enormous debt, a huge debt. 
And the first thing we notice is the, 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 the debtor doesn't deny the debt. He doesn't say, oh, no, no, king, you've, your, your accounting is off. He recognizes. He is being called to account justly. This parable Jesus teaches is a picture of the way that God deals with us. We owe a debt to God, a debt of obedience, a debt of righteousness, a debt which we cannot pay, a debt that is too huge for us. And while our first response might be to say, no, God, you've got that wrong, we cannot deny. We cannot deny that we justly are being called to account when God settles accounts with his servants. The text says, Jesus says, he owed him 10,000 talents. Now, kids, I thought about, you know, doing the math and making the conversion, how much that would be today, but that's not really the point of the parable. Parables are about comparisons. And so Jesus uses this term, 10,000 talents, not because it's a specific amount, but because how they would hear it. A talent was a, uh, a unit of money, and it was their largest unit of money. We have units of money today, kids. We have pennies and nickels and dimes and quarters and dollars. The dollar is really our biggest unit of money. If someone owes you money, we don't say, yeah, they owe me 400 pennies. Four dollars. That's our largest unit of money. And 10,000 for them was their largest counting number. They would count up to 10,000 and then speak in terms of how many 10,000s. This is the largest unit of money with the largest counting number. If we were to make uh, an equivalent today to speak the parable today, we would say a man came in owing a million dollars. We use that expression, a million. And we know that a million isn't really the biggest number, but, you know, I've told you a million times. You know, that's kind of how we talk. That's what Jesus is getting at here. A huge amount, an incredible amount, an amount beyond what he could pay back. In fact, uh, some authors suggest that in this day, no one could amass this type of huge debt by honest means. The subtext of this parable is uh, this man is swindling from the king. He has been dishonest in in accruing this much money to himself. He is embezzling uh, from the king. A man came in owing 10,000 talents, a million dollars. And what happens? Since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold, his wife and children, and all that he had in payment be made. And the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. There's no way he could pay the debt. It was beyond imagination, more than anyone could pay back. It it would be like if we got a letter from the IRS today and it said, oh, by the way, you owe us a million dollars. And we say, give us time, we'll pay you. It's just not realistic. It's not going to happen. It's, it's, it's un- what are we going to do? $30,000 for the next 30 years? You know, it's, we can't pay that back. That's the point of the parable. It was an amount too big to be paid. The, the man tries to say, I'll pay you. It's unrealistic. It can't be done. But that's the point. The man's complete inability 
to pay this huge debt. What does the master do? Verse 27. And out of pity to him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. A picture of forgiveness given. The king had pity. He forgave the debt. Very likely this was money the man had stolen from him. He takes pity on the man. In fact, he even shows pity in the fact that he calls the man to account. He does not let him continue to go deeper and deeper in debt. The fact that he even makes an accounting with his servants is merciful, is pitiful on his part. And that's how God deals with us as well. Sometimes we don't like it when our sins are revealed. When God shows us so clearly we are living in violation of his law. But even that is an act of his mercy. To not let us continue to go deeper and deeper into that sin. God calls us to account as an expression of his pity to us. Every Lord's Day, kids, every Lord's Day, I read the law of God. Reminding us what God calls us to. Reminding us how we are to live. An expression of his mercy. This is my law to call us to account. The king, the king forgives the debt. Out of pity, the master of the servant released him and forgave him the debt. Notice what he doesn't do. He doesn't say to the servant, okay, you think you can pay this? Let's set up a payment plan. Let's have a plan by which you pay me back a little bit over the next rest of your life. He doesn't say, you know what, I realize you can't pay this now, so I'm going to defer this debt until later, and later when you're more capable, then you can pay me back. No, he cancels the debt and cancels the debt immediately. There's no bartering. There's no bargaining. The man is called to account. He is completely unable to do anything to pay this debt. And the king cancels the debt immediately. What a beautiful picture of God's forgiveness toward us. We owe God a debt we cannot pay. And God doesn't ask us to do anything to pay that debt. God doesn't say, look, let's, uh, let's have you do this much and I'll do this much. No, God says, I cancel your debt. I forgive you of the debt. This is what our, our confession says, 126. What does this petition mean? Because of Christ's blood, do not impute to us, poor sinners that we are, any of the transgressions we do or the evil that constantly clings to us. How does Christ cancel the debt? God cancel the debt? He cancels it because Christ has paid the debt. Christ paid the debt for us. He washed away all of our sins. He granted us all of his righteousness. He does what we are unable to do, complete inability, and Christ does it all. And because of what he has done, that debt is now no longer held against us. But we are forgiven. That is the beauty of the gospel. 
completely forgiven for all of our sins. That is the call that goes out once again today. If you are still laboring under a debt of sin, trying to pay your way out of it to God, then embrace Jesus Christ. The one who has done everything necessary. The one who has cleared your entire account. Embrace him and know the joy of forgiveness. We pray, forgive us our sins, forgive us our debts. And God reminds us that's exactly what he does through the work of his son, Jesus Christ. That's the beauty of the, that first half of the petition. All of our debts, all of our sins, all of our transgressions, they are washed away. We are clean and we are seen as obedient as Christ was for us. God mercifully forgives all of our sins. God, God does not hold anything against us. But notice, that's not the end of the story. Not the end of the parable Jesus tells. He's being asked about how often do we have to forgive. He sets up the answer by reminding them they have been forgiven so much. And now he's going to talk about the second half of this petition. As we forgive our debtors. Verse 28. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And again, we could do the math on that, but again, it's a parable, so it's not meant to be an exact amount. Um, I try to think of what's an, what's an equivalent way we talk today. For big numbers, we talk about a million dollars. It's a million dollars. And I don't know if people still use this expression today. My dad used this a lot uh, to talk about a small amount. He would talk about two bits. Two bits. Kids, two bits is a quarter. That's just an old expression. You know, how much is that cup of coffee? Us, oh, two bits. You know, it's a small amount. A little bit. This, this servant goes out and he finds someone who, owns it, who owes him two bits. Just a little bit. That's the sense of, of what's going on here. The million dollars compared with two bits that this man is owed. And what happens? Seizing him, begins to choke him. Pay me what you owe. And so this fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. Now that was a possibility. With a small debt like this, a debt of two bits, this man could possibly pay the debt back. But his, his servant will hear nothing of that. Now, again, this highlights the, 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 the grace of the king. The king made an accounting called the man in. This man goes out and he seizes him and chokes him. No mercy, no forgiveness. Verse 30, he refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. This man who had received great mercy from the king, a million dollar debt forgiven, now goes out and shows no mercy, no forgiveness for this small offense against him. We have to recognize 
what God has done for us. We rejoice in the forgiveness of the million-dollar debt. And yet far too often, when we are wronged by a two-bit offense, we hold it against our brothers and sisters in the Lord. Again, this is not to say the offense wasn't real. It, it, it was a real debt. Hundred denarii is a real debt, small in comparison to, to, to the huge debt. But, but it's that comparison that Jesus is pointing out. We have been forgiven everything, every offense, every sin. And yet, we fail to pray the second half of the prayer as we forgive our debtors. That is an obligation on our part because we have received such a great forgiveness. The, the fellow servants see what's going on, verse 31. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they reported this to their master, all that had taken place. And when his master summoned him and said, You wicked servant! I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? In a real sense, the honor of the king is at stake. The king has said, I will show you mercy. I will forgive it all. And now you go out and this is how you repay me? By not showing compassion, by not showing mercy, by not forgiving your brother? No, the king says, verse 34, in his anger, his master delivered him to the jailers till he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. There have been those who have suggested that Jesus is here saying that God makes our forgiveness of others the condition for our own forgiveness. And it might seem that that's what the petition says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. But our forgiveness of others is not the condition upon which God forgives us. God forgives us freely because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. No, our forgiveness of others is not the condition of our forgiveness. Our forgiveness of others is the evidence we understand our forgiveness. It's the evidence we recognize we have been forgiven the huge debt. And that's what our confession says as well. Forgive us just as we are fully determined as evidence of your grace in us wholeheartedly to forgive our neighbors. We evidence that we understand what God has done for us when we forgive others. It is not the condition. It's the evidence we understand that God is at work. Do we know do we know the fullness, appreciate the fullness of our forgiveness? A million dollar debt we have been released from. If we truly 
begin to appreciate what God through Christ has done, how do we dare hold anything against anyone? We have been forgiven immediately and completely because of the grace of the Master. And yet so often, when someone sins against us, we will bear a grudge and hold it against them. Oh, maybe we'll say, well, I'd, I'd, be, I'd be willing uh, to forgive them. If they came crawling to me on their knees like these servants, that I'd, I'd forgive them. We didn't read earlier in the chapter, but Jesus teaches that if there is reconciliation to be done, it is, it is the innocent party who should go and seek reconciliation. We don't wait for them to come crawling to us. Or maybe we say, okay, well, I would do it once, but, but, but that's enough. Once is enough. Oh, really, Peter? How many times must we forgive? How many times has God forgiven us? We never go to God and say, God, I've, I've committed this besetting sin once again, and I know I've done it before, and I've committed it again, and I ask you for your forgiveness. And he says, I'm sorry. You've had your allotment. You've, you've used up all the forgiveness that I have for you. God is merciful. He is gracious. Every time we turn to him in confession, he forgives. And so must we. Both halves of this petition should be a part of our prayer life. Not just forgive us our sins, but make us forgiving of others. We love to be forgiven. We love what God has done for us. We must also love to be forgiving. To, be, to, to recognize the million-dollar debt we have been relieved of and no longer hold against our brothers and sisters the two-bit offense. May God help us to, to take this petition to heart, all of this petition, that we might be those who, who demonstrate we know forgiveness by the way in which we are forgiving. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, we are humbled and we are amazed at your forgiveness of us. All of our sins, all of our offenses, washed clean because of the blood of Jesus Christ. We are amazed at what you have done for us. And yet, God, when it comes to, to forgiving those who sin against us, we so often want to hold the grudge. Forgive us for that, O oh God. We pray that you would make us those who are characterized by a forgiving spirit, by a quickness, a willingness to completely forgive our brothers and sisters in the Lord for any offense that is committed. Oh, we know they are offenses. We don't, we don't ignore that. But compared to what you have forgiven us, they are small when compared to what you have done. This is not natural for us, O oh God. 
And so we pray that by the power of your Spirit, you would work in us to make us those who love the forgiveness of sins, both receiving and giving. Hear our prayer for Jesus' sake. Amen. We are going to turn to uh, this version of the Lord's Prayer in our Trinity Psalter hymnal, number 521. Number 521, and this morning we take note of verse 6. Do not our sins and debts record, but freely pardon them, O Lord. Cleanse us from all our wretchedness through Christ, whose blood was shed for us. As prompted by your grace you give, our neighbor's debts we too forgive. We're going to sing verses 1 and 6 and 8. Verses 1, 6, and 8 of 521. Let's stand together as we sing. Mm -hmm. 